Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen classes and trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen class library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. Tyler Haney is a founder and CEO of one of the hottest athleisure brands, Outdoor Voices, an active lifestyle brand with a mission to free fitness from performance. Tyler's a graduate from the Parsons School of Design and grew up in Boulder, Colorado, where her life started revolving around well-being. Tyler, welcome. Thank you for having me. So I want to start in the early days when you were at Parsons. Like, did you have this idea of outdoor voices? Like, what were you thinking? Like, I want to talk, like, what got you to Parsons in the first place? And what had you thinking about athleisure and design? It started a lot earlier than that. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, um, the place where every activity, you know, it's the most active place in the world, I would say. So activities baked into everything you do from going hiking with your family or your friends. It's kind of the social thing to do. Or if you're grabbing an ice cream cone, hopping on your bike and zooming down there. So kind of grew up knowing this way of life where activity was really baked into into your daily everything. There wasn't as much of a separation between I'm going to the gym to work out and get fit versus this is my life life. Um, so in high school, was really involved in sports, played everything imaginable, uh, basketball, track, uh, soccer, et cetera, and was the ultimate tomboy. Um, and wore brands like Nike. I was obsessed with Nike because Nike made you feel like a superhuman, like you could absolutely beat the girl next to you running the hurdles in track. Um, And loved Nike because of the impact it had in kind of instilling confidence as like a young girl that wanted to be the fastest, right? Um, Interesting words from the anti-performance. I know, (laughs) I was was loving it, lived it fully. I I would dream about being an Olympic athlete. Um, I thought I'd go to school for running hurdles. was obsessed with hurdles. And then uh, out of my senior year, decided that that wasn't the path for me. So ended up taking a U-turn and had been drawn to the energy of New York, had never been there um, or here. Um, My family had always grown up on the West Coast. So said, there's something about New York. I've got to get there. Um, Took a year off. And that was before I decided to go to Parsons. So do you, in that year off, did you come to New York? I came to New York. So what were you I, doing in that I year off? I worked at restaurants. I were you waiting worked tables? Catering. Yeah, I worked in catering. I actually loved that. I think that's a fantastic job for everyone in their kind of late teens, uh, just learning how to relate to people and um, make friends, et cetera. So I look back fondly on being a waitress. Where, where is, the, is the place still around? Um, I was uh, the Fat Radish. I did catering no there. Yeah, with um, Ben and Phil. And then I also worked at the Fig and Olive. Um, and so... You picked good restaurants. It was good. Yeah. yeah. It was really good. Um, but I had no, no idea that I would get into apparel ever. Um, and have always been design inclined. My mom and my aunt growing up were obsessed with color. So they'd point out lipstick colors, fuchsias and oranges. And um, my sister and brother and I would always just like start to think that way. Color and texture, etc. So that, that definitely kind of planted the seed for just being aesthetically inclined, but never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd get into apparel. And so you have your year off, and then you're like, okay, time to go to school? I'm, yep, I'm, I see Parsons, and I'm, I remember looking up a course called Design and Management, um, which is a business degree, and it was kind of a nice balance between learning kind of Adobe kind of design tools um, and ways to kind of like 
illustrate your vision for something with also kind of more traditional business classes. Um, and so ended up applying, got in, thought I was on the track to go, you know, uh, make airports more kind of efficient, like at an IDEO <laughs> or something. Um, that's, that's kind of everybody in design and management's like path, like I'm going to go work at IDEO, um, design strategy. So that's the track I thought I was on. Um, and I remember it must have been my senior year, um, jogging down the West, West Side Highway. Um, I was out there for like a 1.2 mile jog at a very recreational pace and I still had Nike on. And I remember looking down and being like, wow, I look like I should be going really fast, but I'm, I'm out here really just to kind of clear my head. And that was the moment I remember thinking there needs to be a different um, product that supports kind of more casual activity um, or recreation. Like what, what will I feel most comfortable in at this nine mile per, you know, nine minute per mile pace um, out here because it feels good and, and I'm enjoying it rather than trying to be the fastest. Um, so that was the moment, though I didn't know it would become OV, that I, that I look back on and think that was kind of the trigger. Wow. So is there, how do you go from like, I'm just so interested in you were a great athlete and interested in winning and performance to like one day you're just like, you know what, I just want to do this because it's fun. Yeah, I think um, kind of at the height of being a high school athlete, which is funny, uh, you were, I look back and you're so stressed out. Like sure. there's so much pressure. Um, and I remember being somewhat addicted to it. Like people thrive in that for a certain length of time, but then I feel like there's an expiration date for a lot of people. Um, and I kind of look back and think it's a shame that, that you, it has to be that pressure oriented or that, that pressure fueled. Um, like you look around and there's so many people who almost you know, they want to be more active, but they're intimidated by it because they kind of have these experiences when they're younger where like soccer, soccer gets so intense that people burn out. So sure. it's like being an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> so I think there's, I look back fondly on, on being an athlete and, and kind of learning how to work towards a common goal with people, et cetera, like playing basketball, but, but don't look back on kind of that pressure and, and think that's for everybody. So were you like burnt out from sports at the end? Or? I think ultimately, yes. I thought I'd go um, run hurdles in, in college, but then just kind of played that life out and said, damn, I'm not into that. That sounds tough and, and very kind of like singular focused. And I think I want more. I'm a more, more curious person than that. Got it. Yeah, it does, especially in college. So I played basketball in college. Oh, you did? And, and, and cool. towards the end of college, I was just burnt. Yeah. I was just, it's a job. It's a full-time yeah. job, six hours a day totally. between practice and then you're always hurt and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. you can see how it, it, it you know, it's still, I have fond, fond memories too, but like some of the joy, Yeah. it's tough. Yeah. That, that was the, what I recognized as the big opportunity um, because in kind of a world where there's more and more pressure as you get older, like activity, activity should be part of your everyday life, but if you only think about activity as something you have to do, to be better and faster and harder and stronger, it's not that likely that you're gonna want to do it willy, you know, like sure. with freedom and joy and happiness. So that's kind of the feeling, even before I knew what Outdoor Voices would be, that I was kind of craving. So you have this moment and you're running, so what's next? Yeah. Do you run home and start sketching or? Well, it started with product for me and starts with material. So I actually called up my dad and said, I've been doing some research on Google. I've got to go to Outdoor Retailer in Utah. It's the mecca of kind of sure. yarns, and I'm sure you've been there, um, all of these active brands. So he, um, I flew to Colorado. We drove to Utah together and um, met actually the mill that we work with today um, and said, this is the type of material that I want. I want to get away from kind of the thin, shiny black spandex that I've worn growing up that almost uh, has, it, it's like, baked with that kind of pressure, you know? And I, I want to create a material that can become my outfit for a variety of activities, whether I'm dog walking or going to Pilates or yoga, something that feels more substantial and, and long lasting. Um, and so I created that material with, with this mill and created what is known today as the OB kit, top and the bottom, your uniform for activity. 
And so what's net like how quickly in this, so you go to outdoor retailer, you find mm-hmm. your mill, like what's net, like I'm so curious, like how much time has elapsed and when do you start to, when yeah. do you discover, okay, and here's the, we're going to call it outdoor voices yeah. and we have a, like your first product, like yeah. walk, walk, walk us through that. Yeah. Um, I was firstly just solving a personal pain point. Um, and so I had not studied fashion whatsoever. So I was the master at Googling and, um, I had a job here with actually a fashion company out of school. Um, but kind of in, in the nights I would Google other factories that like they have to, you know, they must know how to make technical garments. I need to learn from them. Um, and so I would just show up and be like, here's my material. Here's my sketches. They weren't great by any means. Um, but, but it probably took like seven months to actually get working kind of pieces that would fit, you know, and weren't completely wacky. So, um, a lot of trial and error, but I, I was very persistent in the early days. And so when did you officially, so you've got your, your, your first product that you're wearing Mm -hmm. in seven months, like when did you come up with the name and then when did you have like, okay, like maybe this could be a business. When did that happen? Yeah, I started, um, making small batches of product and getting it on my friends and started to like understand, do people like this? How do, how would I tweak it, et cetera. Um, and at the same time started to realize there was this huge white space in this active wear, in this active wear world. I was kind of mentioning this, but my hunch was there's so many people who want to be more active, but you walk into an Under Armour and Steph Curry's on the wall with huge muscles and he's sweating and dripping and he, you know, he's really ripped. And like for a lot of people, they take it, they're, they're like, wow, that's nice, but I wouldn't look like that in two years or ever, like I'm out, you know? And so I realized, well, okay, I have the product. What if we build a brand that almost is like a friend reaching out and pulling you along that that makes it okay not to be an athlete, but and and rather kind of prioritizes being active, you know, with moderation and ease and humor and delight and, and kind of I always picture being active with a smile on your face. Mm. Um, and I didn't I didn't know necessarily how to build that, but that was the, the feeling um, that day. Um, and and so I had this product. I started getting it on my friends and um, started creating a business deck. And I look back and I have like 70 iterations of this business deck. Um, but going to Parsons for this degree was helpful because you did really have these skills, like in, in design and illustrator, that helped you, um, you know, be able to at the very least show what what kind of your idea was. So put the business deck together and and started making a list of tech um, VCs that I wanted to get in front of, which was very naive, but uh, really kind of a funny path forward. And so when did you come up with the name? Um, it must, actually the name was really difficult. Um, it probably took me eight months after I had the product to come up with the name. I remember calling it Fritz Farouk at first. Fritz Farouk. Which I had just like found, I had landed on two, you know, pages in a dictionary or something and been like, that's a great, you know, Fritz, Farouk. But that was not a long name. I'm glad you didn't name. go with that. No, it was bad, bad, bad. Um, but yeah, the name was difficult. But ultimately, um, a lot of where OV came from, from a spirit and kind of energy perspective, was growing up in Boulder. And so remember when you're little and your mom's like, use your indoor voice and you're a little kid and you're like, ah, no, never, you know, it's. I'm going, you know, bursting out the doors to recess, and I wanted to, I wanted the brand to like really bring that back, um, that kind of like childhood fearlessness mm-hmm. and kind of unbounded enthusiasm uh, into kind of adult life, um, and so that's where where the name comes from. We call it OV for short. And so back to you know all the bigger brands out there, like do you think? Where do you think they all went so wrong? Because if you look at the, the like athleisure is huge, mm-hmm. and you've got like the biggest brands in the world with unlimited resources, and so to me it's remarkable that like you have, you know, this the small brand started, mm-hmm. you know, very meager beginnings and just has come in and, and been able to compete in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. what what is it about? Do you think they're just so focused on performance? Like, what do you think it is that allowed you? Because someone would look at the market and be like, well, there's no way you can compete. Yeah. But but you are. So yeah. why do you think that's so? Um, I mean, I think those brands are fantastic. I'm obsessed with Nike and Under Armour and even Lululemon. I, I just think people didn't realize that it wasn't all about the serious athlete, you know? Right. And de- definitely people are, but I think... 
for us, what's worked really well is, is we're really focused on being active. So I almost am very averse to the word athleisure because it almost feels to and from me, um, like not rooted in true activity. Um, and I think where we've really, we've really started to resonate with people is, is focusing on people who are active but not defined by it. So for instance, Lena Dunham was the first uh, celebrity to wear outdoor voices. Um, when were she you was, like, did you know that was happening? I didn't just, know it was you were happening. Like, oh my god! <laughs> she was learning to jog in an episode of Girls, and she yeah, had a kid yeah, on. I remember um, that. And I think that moment was powerful because a Nike and Under Armour most likely would not use Lena as or be that excited about Lena as their like first celebrity, you know. Sure. Um, and I thought it was perfect because it works. It's so counterintuitive to what you see on the walls of Nike and Under Armour. It's uh, this bigger, beautiful girl learning something for the first time she's not an expert you sure. know um and i think this idea of freeing fitness from performance and and really um making it okay not to not to be an expert is, is where we've gone right in and this what, act of you mentioned lululemon like where, where do you think they went wrong because to me I, when i think of lulu i don't think performance i think yoga yeah. and community and, yeah. and a little softer but yeah i think they they have fantastic product i would say um the younger de uh, demo uh, definitely finds them exclusive in a way. Like sure. you do have to be an expert at yoga. Um, and I think what kind of millennials today are, are responding to is uh, like brands that are approachable and inclusive and friendly and warm and accepting. And I would say Lululemon is not that. Right. And what about some of the outdoor brands like the North Faces and Patagonias of the world? I think Pat Patagonia is fantastic. Um, Yvonne Chouinard, I have his Let My People Go Surfing sure. book and have a lot of the team read it. Um, and I think his kind of constant prioritization of, of culture um, within the company is something remarkable and what we, we kind of like look to be all the time. I think I see his outdoor voices in Patagonia as friends. They <laughs> go well together. And so I want to go back like, so the you're trying product on your friends and you have mm -hmm. this idea and now you've got a name outdoor voices like what was the vision back then like did you have did you think you'd be where you are today like what was what was the vision yeah i it's been uh, so how many I, years ago was that now it's like. three and a half okay and it's weird because since day one it's always been about building the next great activewear brand and people would laugh when i was like the first few actually the first 70 times i went and pitched investors, people would be like, yeah, right, you're never going to go up against Nike or Under Armour. Um, and it's funny and kind of crazy to think that each time I heard that, I would continue to go back and be like, yes, we are. I think what what the real opportunity like seems to me to be is to build an act, a huge activewear brand um, as a female founder, because you look at the big guys and they're all started by, by sure. men, but uh, the largest portion of the business is for women. So there, I see a real kind of advantage there. Um, but yeah, I remember being told no at least 70 times. And I would take that no, go back, work on my pitch deck, um, and then focus, laser focus on turning those no's into yeses. Do you remember the first yes? I remember the first yes. Yeah, or I Or like do. the first maybe also? Yeah, and mm, it was probably at least 20 pitches in it was that that was really tough but um actually it was from from friends in california that were like you know what i don't know if this is a good idea but ty i believe in you to be the most persistent person i know and so <laughs> when i give advice to people about how how to start getting their ideas or getting traction behind their ideas it's that persistence it's the idea could be great it could be horrible but it's all about the person who you're asking to invest, believing that you're, no matter the challenges, going to see it through. So how much time elapsed w with all those no's and getting to that first yes? Probably at least a year. Wow. Were there times where you're like, I don't know if I can do this? Or oh, like, yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. did you have like a, one of those moments, you, like the your dark night of the soul, so to speak, or one of those moments where like, you know what, it's just not working? Or I had, um, so I had a job while I was working on OV and I had bought bought an Ikea um, bunk bed, taking out the first shelf of the bunk, and that's where my studio was. Um, <laughs> and I kept trying to like recruit designers to come work with me, but none of them would 
they're like, oh, this is cool, but there's no way we're going to go up against Nike and Under Armour. So I remember probably having like four interviews and each one being like, thanks, thanks for the intro, but I'm out. And I, I remember just being like, damn, is this a crazy idea? This, this Maybe I should just, you know, set on a path to, to go work somewhere else, go back to IDEO. But uh, yeah, I, I think sitting under that bunk bed was probably where I found the most courage, um, but also really like rough nights sometimes. Sure. And so what in the process, were, did, did you have like a moment and you're like, okay, like that's a positive sign. I think maybe I have something here or like a moment that kept you going. Um, I think getting that first yes from, from an investor was huge. I think um, actually more so than anything was starting to see my friends like tell other people. So word of mouth was, was huge and still is huge for us today. Um, and the fact that people like liked the product enough to share it was was where I then found that we needed to focus forever on like make good product and and that's what will grow this company. Um, and I think at times people get distracted about more marketing or uh, you know we need we need more press etc. But if you make really great product like word of mouth will drive the growth and and I think learning that early on was was huge for me. Speaking of growth, so how many SKUs do you have now? We have at least two, like 211. Oh, wow. I have kept it quite tight in terms of an assortment perspective because for us, we want to really be kind of the recommendation or the resource for recreation around like the best of. And that's kind of the concept behind kits is this is the best outfit for their, this activity. So um, I really have focused on keeping the assortment tight and and really building trust with the customer that this is the best legging for this this is the right. best outfit for this so you keep on you you, you use the word recreation a lot mm -hmm. so why that word it's a great it's it's an interesting word yeah. choice i mean growing up recreation's a, a bit rei-ish right and yeah. like out, outdoorsy and like almost too granola -y. and so for me recreation or redefining recreation is all about a mindset so uh moving your body getting out there with friends being in nature and and being active because it makes you feel good for me is how we're redefining recreation um so it's like the opposite of like tough mudder and spartan race oh yeah it's all about <laughs> it's all about moving your body for your mind and 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 really um i said this earlier but freeing fitness from performance how, how do you do activity for the joy of it rather than the pressure to perform and I think recreation is such a powerful word, but can mean something different for this younger demo. So going back to like, I know we talked about this, but do you think this generation is just stressed and burnt because like, do you think all like social media and it, like it's playing in and like, what, what do you think is driving this at its core? Is it social media? Is it, you know, if we're talking about performance, is it wearables? Is it? everything yeah. is measured like there's something what do you think is driving this this need to like I just need to move to feel good and yeah I don't want to measure it yeah I feel like social media is yeah a huge um you know cause of stress I find it kind of on a daily basis like you're looking and checking and constantly comparing yourself to others um and I would say now more than ever we're packing our days full with you know uh, work in the next curriculars and then we got to go get that shot for social media so like there is so much that we kind of like put on ourselves in terms of pressure or things that we have to you know do better and I think activity is really kind of your escape from that I think we did a big customer research um, project recently and every single person that we interviewed was like I want to be better, faster, stronger, you know, kind of the Nike way of life. But the real antidote to that has been this outdoor voice is like, like fun, activity, activity with a smile. Um, how do you incorporate kind of this notion of recess into your day and view activity less as like a, um, a thing to check off your to-do list, but right. rather like my most wonderful part of the day? So what is it, someone who you know, lives the outdoor voices lifestyle. Like what, what's an example? Like what is, what does recreation yeah. look like to them yeah. on a daily basis? We are in the process of moving the company to Austin, Texas. Um, and I visited Austin first about 
four years ago, right before I started OV. I got off the airplane and went to this um, spot called Barton Springs. Sure, I don't know if you've beautiful, been there. It's yeah. The Fountain of Youth. And I remember that moment being like, holy shit, if everybody could find recreation like this at some point on a daily basis, like they need access to kind of this nature. I feel like having lived in New York City for nine years, like it's hard at times to find well, you didn't kind live of in your Brooklyn. nature. I didn't live in Brooklyn. <laughs> and I think New York, yes, there, there's great recreation here too. But I remember distinctly going to Austin and being like, wow, this is the most recreational place I've been. Barton Springs, this massive like football field sized natural spring water or spring fed pool um, surrounded by like a 13 mile dirt jogging loop um, at the center of downtown. Like this is how you incorporate recreation into your life on a daily basis by it being central to downtown and easy to get to, but like so peaceful and all about nature. So um, I think Austin for me really represents kind of this recreational lifestyle. And when, when you look at the people jogging on the loop in Austin, it's all shapes and sizes, all ages, um, whereas, and they're just out there for fun. You know, they're with their stroller, they're with their dogs, um, stroller and their kid. But, and I, I kind of contrast that with Boulder where um, you go on the bike loop and people are hauling ass because they're gonna be in the tour next year, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, Austin has a special place in my heart and is now the home of OV because I would say it's the most recreational city in the world. And so when you meet your customers, like, what do they do, like, on a daily basis? Do they, mm -hmm. like, what, what, what does that lifestyle look like? Yeah, I would say um, people dabble into, in different activities. So uh, they're at bar class two days a week. They bike 30 miles on Saturday. They take their dog for a walk every day. And so it's not um, having strength in one thing or, or having kind of, being like the, the soccer player, rather it's, it's dabbling across a variety of activities because um, I think it gets boring otherwise. I, th I remember doing yoga every single day when I was in college and, and then had to take a few years off because it was too intense and too regular. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's something stimulating about like being interested in a variety of different activities. And, and also I think as you get older, like having kind of the, the courage to want to try something new, like skiing, for instance, or um, challenging yourself to get outside of kind of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that with classes, et cetera. Like that, that's the beauty of ClassPass, that it's encouraging people to try new activities. And, and I think that's, that's where growth comes from um, as you get older and, and want to maintain an active lifestyle. And talk to me about the outdoors aspect. Like, mm -hmm. why is nature a place such a... I think you are also the first brands to really embrace nature in a mm -hmm. big way. Like, why is that so important to you? Yeah, I mean, we just opened in Aspen um, a store two weeks ago. and Congratulations. It was awesome. Records for us. Super cool. But, but there's something um, so spiritual about being in the outdoors. I think the same thing about working out with friends and being in out the door outdoors like I don't know how to describe it maybe you can you can help me describe it but I, I feel like that's the nourishing part about being active and and connect being connected to the outdoors to plants and smells and dirt etc like that you can't replace that and I think people have especially being in places like New York and LA like oftentimes don't go to access kind of that nature anymore. So what's like, in your opinion, like the ultimate outdoor voices, like physical experience? Is it like going for a hike mm -hmm. with friends, oh, followed yeah. by a dip in the lake, followed by like, what is yeah. that? If you could describe like the ultimate yeah. outdoor voices, the physical hippie, experience. The hippie triathlon. So um, we do this in Austin. Uh, it's a five mile bike ride um, around Lake Austin down to uh, hike and bike trail, which it's a three mile jog on the dirt path that I talked about. And then there's this swimming pool called Deep Eddy. Um, and we do laps. So it's, it's a bike, run, swim, followed by a beer at the Deep Eddy uh, bar. And that, that we call it so the it's hippie like triathlon. a triathlon. Got sort it. of, it's a little mixed up, but yeah. It's, so what would be like the opposite? We are like, that is, we are staying so far away from that. Like what's the opposite of that? Um, I would say CrossFit, <laughs> though I, I think CrossFit is great for some people. I think it scares a lot of people away. Sure. And so I wanted, one of the things that also has been 
really interesting to watch is from an outside perspective is doing things. Mm-hmm. Explain to people about, about what, what is doing things Yeah. <laughs> Some, and explain like the idea and how that came to life and, and where you see yeah. that going. Yeah. Um, I remember one day sitting in the office and we said, doing things is better than not doing any, or doing things is better than not doing things. And um, it felt so lighthearted and, and it's been really neat to see people respond to it um, as kind of a call to action that anywhere in the world, whether you're in Switzerland hiking with your friends or in your apartment doing kind of your yoga routine, like this hashtag doing things becomes a way to kind of um, include yourself in this community or be part of this and, community. And just give people, so you launched this like a year or so ago, I want to say? Yeah, or? probably a year and a half ago. And I remember all the, all of a sudden it was like, I remember one day waking up and like, this is just everywhere. Yeah. Like, talk to me about like, how'd that happen? Yeah. So you have this um, idea, doing things is, is yeah. better than not doing things. Yeah. And let's create a whole campaign around this. Yeah, I think it, it um, feels just right in terms of our approach to activity. So it's not about getting there faster, but rather about being there frequently. Um, and doing things becomes kind of this, like, I guess, call to action or badge of honor. Like, yes, I'm out here doing things. And, and it's a process. It's ongoing. There's no start or finish. Sure. Um, and it's been really neat to see people, like, uh, respond to it on social in particular because um, a, a big focus for us has been drive engagement offline and then amplify it through social and and doing things has allowed us very much so to build a community um, through social uh, where people all over the world are are being active in all sorts of ways but it kind of is the glue for for all these types of activities make up the outdoor voices world yeah and so how have you you touched on that I think you've gotten so much earned media like how Mm -hmm. have you approached that in terms of marketing like the offline translating to online, like how, yeah. how have you just approached marketing in general? Yeah, well, word of mouth, like I like I mentioned before, but um, in kind of a world where everything is digital and every all the companies are online, like for us, our stores as community community hubs where we run out activities like hikers club, joggers club, and dog walking is really kind of um, the core to our I guess growth strategy. Um, if we can engage with people offline and, and spark bonds through this, this social kind of recreational activity, um, that's where the magic happens. We, we really focus on going to places of recreation, where there's recreational electricity, and Aspen's a good example of that. Like, where are people recreating um, and kind of demonstrating the behavior that, that OV supports? Um, and then how do you take that, use social to amplify um, and scale that and teach others this way of life. So how many retail locations do you have now? We have five and then... So Aspen, mm-hmm, New two York. Two here. So um, actually our first one was in Austin, Texas. Yep. Um, then we have one in Soho, one on the Upper East Side, one in Dallas, one in Aspen, and then in LA and SF coming shortly. And so what's the... I have a couple questions. One, so at every location there are meetups for activities daily mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so is that in some ways like an evolved you know lululemon used to do the in-store classes and then it just got old and everyone does yeah. in-store classes like is this a, a modern version it's like every i want to talk to you about retail because like if you look at retail in general right now like everyone's like doing the opposite yeah like they're they're it's it's just so hard to have totally. brick and mortar yeah but you're finding success like what is is it because, and people are trying to get creative, how do we get people in the door? Like, yeah. is it, are people craving connection and they want to take part of the activities? Like, is that mm-hmm. part, like how how large of a role does that play for you? It's huge. When you're doing the opposite of everyone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, retail is our greatest customer acquisition tool, but I would say what's really worked for us is not feeling the need to host all of the activities ourselves, but rather empowering people within the community to come and start and end kind of their group activities from the stores. So for an, as an example, there's this stroller, like we call it stroller roller, but um, stroller kind of club in Austin. And, and we've kind of, we got in touch with this, this woman who started it and um, she now starts and finishes her kind of group stroller roller from OV uh, from our spot in Clarksville in Austin. And so what we're focused on is how do we create a platform where we can empower hosts to mm. to lead and um, kind of host people like 
through the activity that they like without us necessarily having to orchestrate so it. So I could show up at your store in Soho and say, I want to start a walk every day Perfect. at 8 a.m. Yeah. and I want to meet it out at OV. Like, oh, yeah. you can do that. Oh, yeah. And we'll provide tools. So product and kind of perks, et cetera, um, for you to do that. So it is so how really many of these do you have like a day in a store? Uh, I'm, it depends. In Austin, we have the most because it is, it is sure. the oldest. Um, but it, it depends. And I think as we look to the future, for us, it's about creating almost these rec centers where there's different, there's dance rooms and there's tracks, et cetera, like kind of a, a new version of a why where, where sure. it's really all about hosts from the community, like on their own kind of terms, having, having kind of the um, tools to, to run activity. So you think about like food, like if I'm thinking why I'm thinking full service, like you're thinking food there. Like if you, if you have this, this place where yeah. it's a place, it's yeah. not really, yeah, do, do you place. have food? Like, do you have entertainment? Like it's, it's more um, purely focused on activity. So um, for instance, we have a lot of people who love to dance and, and like plugging a Jane Fonda dance video in or <laughs> aerobics video in can become a really cool way to like hang out with your friends, you know? And I think we're moving in a direction where some of these less traditional um, ways to work out are becoming very popular. And so if we can create over time um, an environment that supports all of these kind of different activities, like that's the goal for us. And, and I think we'll continue to drive some events that we host on our own or activities that we host on our own. For instance, in November, we're hosting an OV dog jog in Austin. Um, that is a three mile kind of uh, very fun place to come with your dog and your friends. And, and we'll roll that out through the country. But if we can really create a platform where, where hosts are doing it themselves, that's the ultimate goal. Wow. So like how many, in terms of retail locations like what's the how many how, how many are you going to have at the end of the year um we'll have eight at the, at the end of this year and then where do you want to be like in 2018 or yeah. five-year plan like do you see hundreds or do you say like all right i just want flagships in certain markets and i think um over the next two years probably close to 15 i think like regional community hubs is the right way to look at it i think um we are absolutely a digital first company and so 70% of our, our volume today is online, um, supported by retail. Um, and I think it gives us an advantage in terms of remarketing, et cetera, sure. where Lulu was very retail heavy and Under Armour and Nike very wholesale and then retail heavy. Um, and you're not spending millions of dollars signing pro athletes. Yeah, exactly. So or hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, totally. Um, so retail is a huge part of the strategy, but, but, um, we won't have a hundred stores in the next three years. And how do you think about like, as brands grow, they have athletes, they have faces. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you see that evolving for you or do yeah. you not? Yeah. Um, I see kind of two paths. The first is let's use UT Austin as an example. So Nike sponsors the athletic program. How does Dr. Voices sponsor the rest of the student body? Um, like, these folks that are playing intramurals, you know? That's or, a lot of students. That's a lot of students, but that that's kind of our focus. And I, I like taking kind of this um, traditional notion of sponsorship and then applying it to people who uh, are just out there on a daily basis being active and, and not necessarily the best at it. Has anyone ever sponsored like intramurals? I feel like... Uh, I think, I feel like Reebok has done something there, but not in like a big way. So that's what gets me excited is how... How do you focus on the people who are out there playing basketball on a daily basis? Well, it's like they're, they're forgotten. Yeah, you totally. know, Everyone goes after the top athletes totally. and the top, you know, and we're going to sponsor the football team and, yeah. all, and te yeah, Texas is going to be, it's like, what about the regular people? Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we're focused on building programs. Um, and then on the flip side, we are, we have some pretty neat um, collaborations upcoming, but it's on people who excel kind of in, in their career that is not athletics, but uh, they have can you kind share of, who? Not yet. Okay. We'll, we'll come. It'll, it'll come. Can um, you give us a hint? It's a very, very popular musician. Um, very, very popular. Artist. Madonna? Yeah. I'm obsessed with Madonna. It's not Madonna yet. But um, yeah, so uh, we'll know soon. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so going back to, you know, outdoor voices of the brand 
like why do you like wh- where do you see you going mm-hmm. like where's the, what what's the big what what was the vision a couple years ago and then where's the vision today um yeah i mean it's always since day one which is just weird to think about ben i want to build the next great activewear brand i want to create a brand that had has the same impact that nike had on me as a young athlete but it's a different path it's a it's a path that when you're an athlete in high school you understand that it's it's more about finding a way to make activity a sustainable part of your life that I wake up every day and I'm excited to get out there and go for a jog or excited to get out there and, and go for a hike rather than feeling like, shit, I, I'm scared to get you know to the, to the starting line because I'm, I'm afraid of not being first. Sure. Um, so I really think there's, there's the opportunity to have the impact like a Nike, but in a completely opposite way. So how do you balance, you know, you talk about like somewhat anti-performance and how do you balance that with being an entrepreneur? Yeah, uh, it's actually funny um, (laughs) because we we have a soccer team in Austin and I remember um, our our record was two, two and two and someone new to the team was like, "Um, that's such an OV score. And (laughs) I about died at that moment. I was like, no, no, no. Like. A lot of like all of us come from very competitive backgrounds. We absolutely want to build the best uh, activewear brand in the world and are competitive, but but the brand can still be competitive in terms of our our goals for be having impact on on more people. Um, but by showing a different, more approachable way of being, um, and I would say uh, it's a good question. It's actually something that's hard hard to balance. Yeah, because this it's recreational like, mindset, right? That it's like very, um, yeah, approachable and moderate. With let's be the next Nike. Because I'm assuming you work pretty hard. Oh yeah, and all the we time work really hard. So it's yeah. like, how do you like? What do you do? So uh-huh. how how do you balance that? Um, it's difficult. I would say I'm traveling a whole lot, but um, for me, if I don't get a sweat in every day I'm I'm not someone you want to be around so I have known that since I was little like I I don't I'm not in the right mindset unless I find a way to to get sweaty every day so um whether it be jogging I'm staying at a hotel right now jogging um at the gym or um going to a Pilates class etc I I'm I'm very uh, similar to the customer I talked about that dabbles in, in a bunch of different things because I get bored. The fitness omnivore yeah. is what we like to call it. Uh-huh. And so going back to the, the future of, of OV and, and, and activewear, like where do you see activewear? Like where, where are we going? Like where's the space going to be in, in three years, five years? Like what's most interesting to you? Mm-hmm. What do you think is a fad? Yeah. Like, what do you think has real legs and staying power? Yeah, um, we think a lot about being human, not superhuman. So um, I really do think it's about focusing on this set of people who are not trying to be faster, but kind of these people who are trying to live better. Um, and so it's not about technology necessarily in your clothes to to like get you across the finish line more quickly, but rather... How, how do I strike balance, you know? And I, I think it's less about the clothes at the end of the day and more about how you bring those clothes to life. So for us, it's about how-tos and introducing people to new activities because for me, um, what I, I really believe in is that activity is all about uh, entertainment for the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so as we look at OV, like, the product is kind of where we've started and making the highest quality activewear is absolutely the focus and will maintain, be maintained as the focus, but activity as entertainment is, is what I see really growing. So um, people, rather than going to the bar and drinking with friends, like how, how are we either traveling to go hiking or uh, going on like a yeah, 10 day, you know, horseback riding trip, et cetera. Um, and this is, Activity as experience and kind of entertainment is the future. And where do you see like general wellness and fitness going in the next couple of years? Like, do you see 
you know, on one hand, you've got the hacking and the metrics for everything and mm -hmm. performance, and I'm wearing this, and it can measure my heartbeat and this and that, and, and all the science and testing and DNA and microbiome yeah. and crazy. Yeah. Um, like, and then you have, I don't know, there's just a lot happening. Like, what what is really interesting to you in, like, the general wellness space? And then... Connecting. Connect, yeah. Connecting with others. So... The social aspect of activity, I prioritize. I think that's where people um, will get their nourishment and kind of self-worth um, because social media, et cetera, has, has stripped a lot of that away. Um, so connecting in real life, doing real activity together is far, far kind of more prioritized in my perspective than like quantifying everything and, sure. and learning more about yourself, et cetera. Which can just stress you out. Yeah, and, and I think um, there's this, I think it's a, a simple line from like a 70s Vogue body and beauty book, like a little round of sound. So like I am a huge believer in moderation and, and um, balance. And I, I really believe kind of that human, not superhuman is the way of the future. So who's influenced you in, in this way of thinking? Um, it's a good question. I would say Oprah. <laughs> I love Oprah. I think she's fantastic. And I think she struggled like very publicly with kind of, um, her weight and her uh, sure. being active or not. And, and I think that's like a very powerful journey. And I, I think she's a spokeswoman of Weight Watchers today, but I, I remember watching her when I was little and like seeing this public kind of struggle and admired so much kind of how she's gotten through that journey and and been okay like talking about it so um ultimately i think for now we've focused on building ov where a lot of um people are familiar with this recreational lifestyle but over time i want to go to places where people haven't experienced that or mm -hmm. grown up that way you know and and bring the team and and teach people how to be active um sustainably so you mentioned places. You're between New York and Austin a mm -hmm. lot. Like, what are some of your favorite places to go, you know, eat, drink, yeah. do fun stuff? Yeah. Um, my boyfriend has seven restaurants in Austin, so oh, wow. kind of luck out there. What are the restaurants? Give him a shout out. Yeah. Um, he has Perla's, uh, Clark's Oyster Bar, Elizabeth Street. Um, what else? Let's see. Jeffrey's and Josephine House and Lambert's. A bunch of them. Oh, There's Lambert's? You have to come visit. I've been to yeah. Lambert's. Yeah, you have to come visit. So um, those are my favorite, definitely. Um, and then here, Estella and Sweet Green here in New York. Some good ones. And what about like for, for movement? Uh, for movement in terms of like yeah, like activity. Yeah, like yeah. classes, getting There's outdoors. This, uh, sky Ting Yoga. Sure. You know Chrissy and yeah, Chloe? Yeah. They're the best ever. Um, and then Moves Dance Class, which is run by this girl named Marissa. Um, she has a company called Metaflora as well that a bunch of businesses have her flowers in, in, in their offices um, or stores. Uh, but that, that's a Thursday night dance class, which I've never had more fun in my life. And so you mentioned, so I didn't know your boyfriend was an entrepreneur. How mm -hmm. do two entrepreneurs coexist in their... It's tough. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, both working crazy hard, but... It's fun. It's great. I think it's nice to like be with someone that is super ambitious like yourself. And understands what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so what, what keeps you up at night and then what has you excited when you wake up in the morning? Or maybe it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, I think the team is what I'm, I'm so pumped about. We have 70 people um, kind of in the internal team and then 100 in 50, I guess, with the store store team, um, and and seeing kind of the impact Ovia's had on on kind of their way of life and what they've brought to the to the I guess community of Ovia is is what I get most excited about. Um, we're really onto something, and each day that somebody joins, it's another like, wow, we really are onto something. Um, and what's challenging is. Uh, the management of that team. Sure. <laughs> um, I I have yeah eight to nine direct reports right now, and my my strong suit is definitely on the product brand and marketing side of things. So um, the people development and kind of uh, 
people outside of things is what keeps me up at night. I think that's the same for everyone. Uh-huh. Barry Sternlicht was on here. Yeah, and like any any level, like I've learned that, like you know, Barry Sternlicht when he was on here, uh-huh. uh, same thing. People, it's yeah. like the people issues. Yeah, you know, hiring, firing, yeah. culture, all that stuff. Headcount, are yeah. we growing the right way? I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like the vision, the product. Mm-hmm. I get, I know where we need to go, but it's the people, the, yeah. what's the problem with finance that we may have in a year yeah. that I don't know about and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. I think that's pretty common. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you were just starting out, what would that advice be? Let's see. Um, my mom had the saying TYB baby, which I've mentioned before, but it's actually one of our brand values now. Try your best, baby. Uh, oh, is that what that stands that's for? That's what it stands for. TYB. Try, yeah. T- wait, TYB. TYB. Yeah, TYB, baby. Um, and it, it's, again, it's this kind of mantra. Um, and I didn't use it early in the early days, but I started to remember it recently, and it's now become one of the brand values. Um, because a lot, of, a lot of things are out of your control, but if you know you've tried your best, um, then, you can, then you can feel good about it, you know? What are your other brand values? Um, doing things is better than not doing things. So that's become a brand value. <laughs> um, so any, any parting advice for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Um, you know, it, it's all about persistence. So convincing and being, convincing people that you, no matter what the challenge is, will, will tackle it. Um, so I would say that persistence is, is most important. And then last question, like, what do you say to someone out there who maybe isn't that active or mm-hmm. maybe too active and, and like a l- still a little bit like scared of like, okay, like showing up to a group thing, like yeah. at, at, that maybe that's a little stressful for someone, like any advice for someone who's like out there and maybe wants to come to something you're doing at OV? Yeah, I, I would say find a friend, bring a friend with you. The social aspect of being active together is is key and that that's really what Ovi is kind of built on amazing thank you so much tyler thanks for having me thanks guys